This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. Good morning, Emmanuel. How many love Jesus today? You love him? Come on. I think that's an okay thing to do in church. If you are at U.S. Bank Stadium and cheering on the Vikings, it's an okay thing to cheer on the Vikings. But how many know when you come to church, you better love Jesus. Come on, somebody. That's what we do. Hey, we're uh, in a whole series called Made Well, Body, Soul, and Spirit. And God has been moving in our church. And uh, we've been looking at the text in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 that says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And I love how God can bring healing into our every part of our life. And as we've been talking about this week after week, and if you haven't had heard the messages, uh, I encourage you to go back and check them out because we're talking about how God brings healing in the body and in the soul and the aspects of who a person is. And then we've been praying at the end of services, and God has been answering our prayer. And today I have, we have a testimony, and Ashley is with us, and Ashley was, uh, is a, an attender, a, a team Emmanuel person who works, is on the worship team in Elk River, and uh, she has a, an incredible testimony that's happened during this series and how God is answering prayer. Give it up for Ashley as she shares her story. Good morning. Good morning. So two weeks ago when Pastor Nate actually did the call to prayers is, uh, from the Sermon of the Physical Healing, um, I actually was sitting in the congregation at the time and at the end, you know, when, when he did the call to prayer, something inside of me, the Holy Spirit just took me and I knew in this moment that I needed a healing. To give you a, bit, a little bit of background history, I've actually been dealing with lower back pain issues for 10 plus years. Over the course of that time, I had different various jobs that had me just standing all day to sitting all day, you know, kind of the two extremes, if you will. Um, and over the course of time, it wasn't as much as first in terms of pain, but over time, it started to get worse, especially these last few years, um, especially with COVID. I started working from home, sitting all day, and, I, and basically it got to a point where I was sitting and in pain, standing and in pain. Didn't matter how long it was that I was sitting there, standing there, it didn't matter. The last few months, actually, I had gone to a chiropractor and gotten an x-ray done, and they basically said, you know, you have some thinning of discs, you have things going on, obviously, with, with your pain. Um, we're gonna give you a long-term care plan to basically go through, and this was the conclusion I was basically coming to in my life was that I was gonna have to have this long-term care plan that I was gonna have to maintain. And somehow I had to accept that this pain was just gonna be a part of my life. And in this moment, going back to when we had the, the, the call to prayer for healing, the Holy Spirit, if there's a way I could describe it, he basically looked me in the eyes and he said, come here. And so I knew in that moment I had to go up. So I went up to the altar and I was prayed for crying, you know, sobbing uncontrollably. I didn't know how else to cry out to God except for that. I could, the only best way I could describe it to you is I could literally feel my lower back straightening out. Yes, praise God. Thank you. 
I went back to my chair and I sat down and I was weeping uncontrollably and I said, thank you, God, whatever it is. You know, I, I didn't know in that moment if I was truly healed or not. Like, you know, I, right, the human inside of us, we kind of doubt a little bit. And that following week, I just kept testing myself, you know, making sure that, you know, I was, because I know that that pain would just be a matter of time before it was there again, if it really wasn't healed. I know I was healed. God healed me. I, I can't give any more appreciation for what he did in my life, but know that whatever you're going through, whatever pain it is that you are enduring, there is always hope and God will always heal. The Holy Spirit, he, is just, he just did so much in my life. I'm so grateful and appreciative of the healing that he did physically in my life. To God be the glory. Thank you, Ashley, for sharing that. Yes. You know, it isn't always the dramatic, and it's not always the big. Sometimes it's the small things, and, uh, and we got to trust and believe. Otherwise, what are we doing? If we're not believing the Bible, if we're not saying, hey, this stuff in here is for us, what are we doing? This is something that we want to believe in and trust and faith that God will answer our prayers. We have talked last week about the soul region of our life. That's the inner me the inner part of who we are. And we're to monitor and guard our soul. And God can bring healing there, but we've got to allow him in. We've got to give him an invitation into that region of our life. We talked last week a lot about our thinking and how the word of God is what changes the way we think, according to Romans 12.1. Being, being able to say, God, change the way I think. And as we give God access through reading the word, through listening and learning and changing the way we think, we become new inwardly, not just outwardly. The soul is that inner part of who we are. And today, we're going to look at the special connection between healing and the church. I want you to look with me at James chapter 5. You can follow along in your Bibles. How many have your Bibles in church today? Just throw them up, even electronic versions. Wave them in the air like you just don't care. All right. Bring them to church. We also have the in, in our notes on the Emmanuel MN app. If you want to get that, you can download it from the app store. And uh, James chapter 5. Here we, here we go. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. That's what... Ashley did a couple weeks ago. It's what you can do at the end of today's service if you want to. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, this is an incredible text. James is not one to mince words. He's not like uh, uh, kind of beating around the bush. He gets right to the po point throughout his entire letter. And while he's talking to the church, he's not just talking to individuals. Often we can read a text like this and think, this is a text just for me. But if you have the antidote as only being between you and God, something is missing. Because James says, no, what you need to do is you need to pray for each other. Turn to the person next to you and just say, you need to pray for me. <laughs> In other words, 
It's not just vertical, it's also relational and horizontal. If there's healing in a person's life, that something special can happen. And the title of my message today is Community of Healing. Community of Healing. Our inner world is intertwined with the people around us. We are born social people. Now, some of you are like, no, 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 I'm an introvert, Pastor Nate. But I want you to think back even before uh, you became an adult or before you became somebody that is rational and understands yourself. And I want you to think back to infancy stage. When babies are born, they are born and they are nurtured by a parent. That parent holds them, nurtures them, talks to them, coo-hoo, sings to them, whatever your song is. You hold the baby. And nurture is a part of our very beginning as human beings. It's very important for us. And as we grow older, we begin to develop our understanding of who we are and how we connect with the world around us. So when we're young, the way God set it up was for us to learn in the context of a family. We're supposed to learn how to feel about ourselves, think about ourselves, how to relate to others based on the environment of the home, how our parents teach us. They tell us right from wrong, and everything is black and white. Then as we grow a little bit older, and how many parents know this to be true, as kids move toward adolescence, Now, instead of it being what mom and dad think about me and what I think about others, it's what others say about me. And it's not in the home. And as we move towards independence, we begin to understand the world in completely different ways. And then eventually we have, instead of concrete thinking, we have abstract thinking. We begin to think about things in a different lens. And as we grow older, many young adults, they begin to reinterpret their childhood. They begin to learn different things based on the information that comes their way. It doesn't mean the information that comes their way is true. But it does affect how they view the world around them and how they view their faith and how they view their relationships with other people. Now, God's plan for us is to grow into a mature, confident, secure adult. Do you know that? God's original plan was for you to develop into a secure person who is both loved and capable of loving. That's God's original plan. However, That plan gets intervened with, with pain. And pain is introduced into our stories, even early on, when nurture isn't there. When there's a parent missing or something isn't right. There's a great study. I'm glad they don't do these kind of studies anymore. But back in the 60s and 70s, where they followed uh, kids that were born and then they were placed in an orphanage in Eastern Europe. And they did a study where they would put 10 kids in one room and all they would do is give them food. And in another room, they would be nurtured and rocked and talked to and taken care of. And they followed these kids through many, many years. The group of kids that were not nurtured, they developed something called deprivation dwarfism. You can look it up on the internet if you want to. Not right now. Just keep listening to me. But deprivation dwarfism is you have an inability to grow when you're not nurtured. It's stunted. Dwarfism is where a body stops growing. It happens in emotions, happens in relationships. It happens all over the place in in, in society. 
So, but the group of kids that were nurtured and taken care of, those kids developed and grew through the various stages of life. So pain can introduce a different narrative than the one that God had designed for us. Another way that pain is introduced is when a parent is there, but they're distracted or missing. A parent that's gone, a parent that leaves the family, a parent that doesn't, isn't there for them. And by the way, God's original design is for both a mom and a dad. Now, I'm thankful for some courageous, single adult parents in our congregation who are loving Jesus, plugging themselves into church, and God is meeting the need. Give it up for all of our single parents in the church. And you better pray for them and you better jump in and help them. You better, you know what I mean? Let's be a part of the story for that next generation. But I can tell you this, when one parent is missing, something happens to the child. Later on in life, they wonder, can I ever get married? Because my parents broke up. Later on in life, they wonder if there was something wrong with them or are they fully loved? Why would somebody leave me? Those questions emerge later on and they become a part of a narrative that hurts their future relationships. So then they interpret people through the lens of rejection before they even get to know them. They have that kind of aspect where it moves in and then trust is broken and, and hurt settles in. And by the way, others wound us sometimes, don't they? And even if it's not in the home, as kids begin to develop their own independent thinking and they go to middle school and high school, middle school is brutal. I mean, brutal. Because at the height of, of hormone activity, it, listen, if you had as many hormones going through your body as middle schoolers do, you would go crazy too, all right? But while they're dealing with that, and maybe they've got one little pimple on their nose or something, and somebody else at school points it out and makes fun, that kid sits there and thinks, that's, everybody thinks that about me. It might have been one person, but they project it as if that's what everyone else sees me as. This is why, by the way, y'all better be praying for and think about getting involved in youth ministry at the church. Because that period of time, you can save an entire generation by doing middle school ministry. That's the youth pastor in me coming out, but it's true. I'm telling you, it can make a significant difference when they have a loving, caring adult in their life that is there for them, even outside the home, even though parents might love them, and it's supportive, whew, it prevents disaster. Because when kids feel like they're unwanted, alone, or different, they go finding and chasing truth. And there's a whole world outside of the church right now is trying to say, yep, that's okay, you can do this, you can be this. And they just explore feelings about identity, and they don't even know what they think, but when they talk to an untrusted voice outside the family of God who says to them, yeah, that's okay, then they go, well, that must be who I am, and then sexual identity sets in, and other things set in, simply because somebody affirmed them in their life. You can make a difference, church. 
You can make a difference in your own family tree. And you got nieces and nephews or next door neighbors. You can make a difference by believing and giving healthy, believing, loving care for the next generation. Can I get an amen to that, church? But things happen along the way. Even when we're adults, experiences happen. People reject us and things happen where it hurts us and trust is broken. And then we develop a script that we tell ourselves. No one loves me. I can't trust anyone. I don't matter, so it doesn't matter what I do. The only way to get people's attention is to, to perform through success or through physical love. And there's whole departures away from things where God's truth is to keep you secure. And then, as you, even those of us that come into the church and we carry that with us, the script is there. And this is the part of our soul that touches others and needs healing. Now, I've been using this whiteboard each week just to talk about the different parts of who we are, body, soul, and spirit. If spirit's in the middle, and we're gonna talk about the spirit next week a lot more, and then the soul is here, and then the body is here, the soul is the thing that connects every part of who we are. So we don't really always know what's going on. We don't know why we feel the way we feel. Have any of you ever said that? I've never said this, but I've heard women in my life say this before. I just feel like I need to cry. What is that, right? You know what it actually is? It's, a, it's, a inter, it's the interconnectedness part of you. You really don't know why, but you feel it. Something's there. Now, guys, we do feel it. We just got really professional at stuffing it. And uh, sometimes we, don't, we, f- we say we don't have feelings, but that's just not true. Because if anger is present in your life, you have a lot of feelings. If loneliness is a part of your life, you've got a lot of feelings. They're, they're all in there, okay? So, so here's, here's the thing. There are other people out there, other souls out there that we interact with all the time. And they all have their own internal world going on too and their own histories and what they've walked through. And we're constantly trying to figure out how do I relate to these people? How do I trust these people and still protect me? And this is the beautiful, incredible good news about what Jesus brought to the earth. Jesus can bring healing to every part of your life, including the area of your soul through relationships. You can experience transformation or morph into a new person. God does that. And I love the promises of the word because his plan is to bring you into his family. And as Psalm 68 says, God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and he gives them joy. He brings the, sets the lonely in a family. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're in. You are into the family, okay? And, uh, Healing can come to our relational worlds in the context of relationship with the church. And in here, perfection is not the way to freedom. Nobody here is perfect. 
We all got a whole bunch of stuff going on inside of here. There's things going on. We're not perfect. The lie is that only perfect people have good relationships and the opposite is actually true. It's imperfect people through Jesus can have healing in the soul and have good relationships with others. He did this through his death and resurrection on the cross. I run into people all the time in, in 2021 that don't even know the why behind the cross. They don't understand why did Jesus die? You know why Jesus died? Because the original sin that caused all the damage in humanity and separated us from our best relationship with God Sin had destroyed that, and Jesus steps into the picture, lives a sinless life. And you read the Gospels, you'll see a loving creator that cares for imperfect people, who reaches across boundaries and touches lives, has conversations with people that nobody else would have a conversation with. And Jesus steps in, and then when he goes to the cross, it was a prophetic picture from the Old Testament that talked about one person could reconcile all of humanity's sins, could make it right. And through Jesus, death on the cross, taking all the pain, all the rejection, all of the abuse, all of the things done to us that are so, so wrong, and he took it on himself. And then he died and he went into the, the ground, into the tomb. And when he's in the tomb, something happened during the time between Friday and Sunday. He went into the hell itself, snatched the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he says, nobody else owns this but me. And then he comes out of the tomb on Sunday morning alive, nothing holding him back, having won a victory for all. He eventually ascended to heaven and left the gospel truth, this incredible message of reconciliation of hope in the family of God with a group of people who are to share that message with other people. And there's been a constant spiritual viral activity since that moment when God began to utilize the church in its brokenness. And every time it was introduced to a new person and a new social group of people and a new socioeconomic class or a different skin tone or a different nation. Every time it went into a new place, it went to broken people. And then God formed a community out of broken people who under the power of the Holy Spirit experienced what only God can bring. They saw healing when they got together. And it wasn't just in a church service. It wasn't just with some uh, person yelling from a mic on a platform. It was huddled in homes. It was over lunch. It was talking on the phone. It was in caves around the world. As people gathered together, God began to do a miracle through ordinary broken people just like you and me. Come on, somebody. This community is connected by the love of God and a mutual understanding of his grace. Nobody is better than anyone else. We're all saved by his grace. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then we've been adopted by his grace into the family. Grace is simply filling the cracks of our life. The things that we can't do. We're not good enough. 
It's true. So if you heard a lie that I'm not good enough, without Jesus, you're not good enough. But because of Jesus who loves you so much that he died for you, you have an opportunity to be enough because of him. And Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. He calls the counselor, not just to that first group of people, but to everyone. In John 14, 16, Jesus says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper, a counselor to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. A good counselor helps us unravel our emotional confusion. Especially the tough cases, by the way, I would just encourage you, if you have an opportunity to work with a good Christian counselor sometime, do it. There's nothing bad. You know, if I can't fix and I don't understand why I think the way I think, there's been moments like I, I broke my leg once. And when I broke my leg, I went to the doctor. The doctor took an x-ray, said, you need to fix this thing because it's broken and gave me advice on how to live. If my emotional world is broken, is there anything wrong? With me go to somebody who knows how to identify what those things are and help me get out of that? No. So there should be no stigma about counseling in the church. None. All right. And especially if you're dealing with uh, uh, chemical, physical, mental illness, I want you to get help. Okay. But I also want you to know the best counselor is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit knows how to weave everything together in our life. He knows how to give you fruit that will help you in your relationships. So if you're lacking love for your spouse, you need the Holy Spirit to come and work on you. If you need to figure out how to work with somebody that's really ticking you off, you need the fruit of the Spirit. You need patience. Come on, somebody. You need grace for the other person that God had for you. We all need the Holy Spirit to lead us through. And in our community called the church, it's the Holy Spirit that weaves us together. It's imperfect, the church is, but he begins to bring our growth, our transformation, our healing and because we are connected and a part of God's ongoing healing plan, we need to recognize nobody's better than anybody else. Today might be my day to get healed in one way, and you might be in a different way. That's okay. We need to remember who we were before Jesus stepped in when we look at somebody else. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse nine, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit idolatry or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Come on, somebody. We're all messed up, but he changes us. 
And our love and our passion has got to be to see others who have yet to go through what we've gone through changed as well. In fact, this is a little moment for me to just challenge people of faith. Listen, don't just be happy with your status. You need to be thinking about your neighbors and your relatives and your friends, that your colleagues that you work with, people you go to school with, and consider what's going on in their life and how can I have grace for them so they can experience what I've experienced. See, we're all different and we're all kind of messed up. It's kind of like a box of crayons. Some are sharp, some are pretty, some are dull, some have names that are weird. And they come in all different colors. Come on, somebody. And they all have to live in the same box. We're together. And Holy Spirit wants to help us work together, relate together, work through things together. Jesus' vision was for us to grow together and heal together. Not by, by being the same but dealing with the differences that we have. Jesus' disciples were tax collectors and extremists and fishermen. Think about his discipleship team. He put together a team of opposites. Why? So they could fight. Yeah, in a little bit. He allowed the fighting because sometimes fighting exposes what needs to change. So the lack of conflict does not equal a great relationship. Come on, somebody. We have opportunity when things are exposed for Holy Spirit to go to work. And many times it will happen between us in the church. How many know not everybody in the room right now agrees with each other? How about Maple Grove, Elk River, Lakeville? Nope. Same thing, right? We don't all agree with each other, but as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. This is what we have to believe. Look this way. We have to believe that through the Holy Spirit, you and I have gifts for each other. We are a part of their healing. They are a part of our healing. I'm going to give you four musts for our soul to find healing. Four things, four musts that we have to have in order for our soul to find healing. Number one, you must have grace for ourselves and each other. You can't, we won't see healing here if we don't have grace for ourselves and for each other. You can't give what you haven't received. And that means that we need to learn to have grace for people who aren't mature. And sometimes that means we need to deal with me first. How many know if you come to church at Emmanuel on Sunday and Pastor Nate's preaching, I'm going to mess with you, right? I'm going to look at the word. I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to be your coach. I'm going to say, there's more possible. Don't go to the lowest level of you. Come up to the highest of what Jesus has called you to be. Okay, if you don't want to be challenged, I'm sorry, but it's going to happen again next week and the week after that and the week after that. That's because I believe the best for what God can do through you. But here's the deal. If I don't learn to receive the forgiveness and grace of Jesus, it's near impossible to forgive and love others. And sometimes the way that God gets me there is through the church 
and gives me opportunity to work out forgiveness with a case study. When I'm dealing with somebody that I think rejected me, said the wrong thing about me, they didn't smile at me, they didn't wave when they didn't ask me out for dinner, I saw them on Instagram and they had a party and I wasn't invited, all those things happen. Those are our opportunities right there to go, God, if I am frustrated with somebody else, it must mean I'm not feeling enough grace from you for me because you're not enough to me. Jesus, thank you for loving me, accepting me. Thank you for calling me a daughter or a son of God. Thank you for the honor of being a part of your family. And when you can begin to shift and take personal conflict back to the Father and recognize, Lord, I don't have your love. Forgive me for not receiving your grace. Help me to forgive others the way you have forgiven me. That's the pathway. And it requires trust. When you've been hurt or rejected, the tendency is to pull back from the next relationship. But when we know that Christ still loves us and we can rest in our identity as loved children, we can try again. And let me just say this right now, because we've gone a little ways into the message and I talked about Jesus and his death on the cross. But did you know that if you're listening to me right now and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you've not surrendered and called him Lord, you can give your life to Jesus right now. I mean, don't even pass this moment of the message. You can pause and just simply say, Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I need you. I need you right now. You can do that online. You can do that in any of our locations. You can bow your heart. You can do that listening to a podcast. You can surrender to Christ right now, and you can be made new right now. You don't even have to have the perfect prayer. You have to have a heart that really looks to him and is submitted to him. Second thing, for must for our soul to find healing, we must submit to the process. We must submit to the process because healing, when it comes to our inner world and our relationships with others, is not an event. It's a process. I love what Mark Batterson says. We often overestimate what can be done in one year and underestimate what can be accomplished in 10 years. I think we need to understand Let's be honest. When we come to church, we're coming week after week. Sometimes we're in a great mode and we're ready to receive what God wants to do and we're ready to be used of God. And sometimes our brains are somewhere else. And we've had a tough week. And then maybe like you tried one time and, and you, you checked out a connect group or you went to growth track or which, by the way, growth, growth track starts today. So you can jump into that. Whatever it is, and you took a first step, you went to an event, and you're like, everybody else seems like they're best friends, and I feel distant, so maybe this isn't the place for me. Listen, I want to tell you something. Friendship takes time. You want to develop connection with other people? It's going to take time, and it's going to take shared experiences. That means showing up. That's why, you know what? Volunteering and being a part of Team Emmanuel in any one of our areas of ministry is an awesome thing to do to serve others, but it's even better to develop friendships. Because when you begin to serve alongside other people, that's when you begin to know them. And they begin to know you. 
If you just sit back and observe and you went to church every week, but you never connected, you never put yourself out there for that next step of relationship, no wonder you don't have friends at church yet. You need to take a step, baby, and put yourself out on the limb a little bit and understand that God's grace will carry you. Can I get an amen to that? It's a long-term process. It took many years to develop the different areas of internal pain and hurt. And sometimes the Lord will take years of relationship to change us and grow us. I'm not going to be in a year who I am today with God's help. But I'm not just going to get there by only my private devotional time. I'm going to get there by the relationships that I have in the body of Christ. And especially the ones I have conflict with. Because they force me to grow. And they heal me. I'm so grateful for older people in the faith in my story that looked at me when I was younger and believed in me. Ray and Sharon Johnson, who took me in as an intern into their house and I lived in their basement. I don't think I paid them a whole lot of money because I didn't have any. And they had grace for me. I was still growing. I, and I still had stuff to change in my life. I still had insecurities. I'm thankful for Pastor Mark Denyes and who believed in me and, and allowed me to grow. And, and he was tough on me. I mean, I've told people this before, but he was the senior pastor of the church when I was the youth pastor of Emmanuel. And, and uh, every Thursday, he would come into my office to share with me what I didn't do that well. You know, some people today, if an older voice speaks anything to them and they hear any form of criticism, they run. They quit a job. They leave a relationship. And it was tough. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't get a whole lot of pat on the backs from my pastor over those years. But what he was doing was he was shaping me for what I'm doing today. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we have to learn to not push away from every tough thing. This generation is hiding out with any sign of any form of pain. But you know what? Pain can teach you to grow or it can shut you down. I want to be a part of a church that continues to grow and doesn't get shut down. Come on, somebody. That conflict or tension often is a doorway to healing. Number three. We must learn to fight for and together with our sisters and brothers. Ecclesiastes 4.11, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Amen. Pastor Nathan, run up here real quick. I'm going to use you as an illustration. You can leave your mic. I don't need you to speak or anything yet. Come on up here. Now, if I'm in, I'm trying to fight the devil and I got the devil all around and I have my brother next to me and if I'm facing him, I might swing at the devil and hit Nathan. <laughs> this illustration from Ecclesiastes is really important. I think the church is too much involved in critiquing each other because we think we see the enemy. 
And Ecclesiastes says it's better if we go, go this way, yeah. If we go back to back, I put the gun up, but like, this is like James Bond or something, you know? Get the silhouette behind us. Here, are you seeing what I'm saying? We've got to understand that if we want healing in our own life and healing for our sisters and brothers, we need to stop seeing the devil in each other and start fighting for each other and with each. Come on. Thanks, bro. When we worship and pray, we're not just worshiping for ourselves. We're not just praying for ourselves. We're praying for each other. We're asking God to do a miracle every time we gather, no matter how small or large. Jesus, I want you to move, not just for me, but for everybody around me. I want you to break out. I want you to beat the devil and I want you to come in and heal the soul of the people. I don't even know what they're going through, but oh God, would you show up? It's a different kind of hunger when you worship, when you're not just worshiping for yourself. It's a different kind of prayer when you're not just praying for yourself. We believe in each other and it's not just about you. It's also about the family of God that you're connected to loving others through their pain. So our love, our prayer, our service. I want you to listen to a powerful story about our inner world and the connection to other people. Another story from a person that's on Team Emmanuel who went through a, cha a challenge, a fight over whether or not to pray for somebody during this series. Go ahead and watch this story with me. Hello, my name is Karen Ibarra, and I am a part of the Emanuel family in Elk River. I'm here to share with you a story today um, about an experience that I had a couple of Sundays ago in service. So just to give a little bit of backstory, I have suffered from migraine headaches since I was a little girl. Um, I remember getting my first migraine when I was eight years old, and it was a very intense migraine. And ever since then, um, they, have been consistent and as I've gotten older they've become more complicated and more difficult to deal with. We were invited by our pastor at the Elk River campus to come and support by praying for others at church um, as we are going through the, these messages of healing and talking about how God can really bring healing to our lives and that Sunday I was on day three of a cluster migraine. Cluster migraines for me um, generally means I'm in bed all day. Uh, I have medication that I take, but it usually doesn't do anything. They're very painful and very difficult. So when I woke up that Sunday morning, um, my husband checked in with me and he said, hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And I said, I just, I, you know, I couldn't see. I had kind of those twinkling lights that people get with migraines, the aura. And um, I just said, I, I don't think I can go today. I just laid in bed and I rested and I really felt that God spoke to me and he said, I want you to come and serve me. And at that moment, I had a choice. You know, whenever God speaks to us, we have a choice. We can be obedient, follow, and believe that he's got all of the details that we're worried about in his hands, or we can stay back and maybe try and take care of it on our own. I got up and I went to church. I sat throughout the whole service with my eyes closed because the lights in front were too bright. We were asked to come up front so that we could pray. And as I was praying, the migraine just left. And I wasn't there to pray for myself. I felt like God wanted me in church 
that Sunday so that I could be a person that he could use to bless others. And I believe strongly that God called me to obedience and he honored my obedience by bringing freedom to my life in, in a way that I never expected. And he didn't do it because I did something good. He did it because he's good to me. Amen. What a powerful expression of how God works in our lives. Both uh, Karen that we just watched and then Ashley in the same service. God was at work in both of their stories. And like Pastor Nate showed on the whiteboard, so many times we're aware of our inner world, of what's going on inside of us and the things that we're struggling with and, and the concerns and the worries and the frustrations and in all the things that are happening inside of us, we can lose sight of the fact that, that we're not alone. God has brought other people in our story, into our story and he's brought us into their story as well. The fourth of the points, the fourth of the musts that, uh, that we want to cover today as we conclude is that we must believe that Jesus will move in and through us. We must believe that Jesus will move in us, but we can't stop there. We need to believe that he will move through us as well. Love how Karen was saying that she realized that God not only wanted to heal her and brought her to church, but God wanted to work through her, not because of how good she is or how good I am or how good you are, but because of how good he is. Amen. And today, in just a moment, we're going to celebrate communion together as a reminder of the fact that we're part of the same body, we're part of the same family of faith. It says in Psalm 34, verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Broken hearts can happen because of disasters, disappointments, can happen because of relationships that are that have gone sour, can happen because of of uh, disease. It could happen because of divorce. It could happen because of any, any amount of things that we might be going through. Stories are not always the same, but they have a common theme. It seems like there's irreparable loss that has happened. But you know what? God is a God of hope. God is a God of healing. God is a God of restoration, and he is a God of redemption. And God is close to the brokenhearted, in those who are crushed in spirit, many times he is close through you and through me. He is close through his sons and daughters. We are the hands and the feet of Christ. Oftentimes we can feel like we're alone and we withdraw and we disconnect. We uh, get upset, we're offended or, or disappointed or, or, or not feeling. We withdraw and end up trying to face life on our own. And God says, no. You need to lean into community for healing to happen. James 5 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of the righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Like I said, we're going to be celebrating communion. But before we do so, I just want to point something out regarding the emblems. When Jesus held up the bread that night in front of the disciples on that Passover dinner, that last supper. And I'll 
have you guys wait to partake until I give you the instruction. But I want to—I just want to point something out. He held it up. He said, this is my body. A lot of times we think of the bread as a reminder of Christ's body on the cross. And that's right. That's correct to do so. But it's also a reminder that we are part of a larger body, the body of Christ, present in his family. And when we take communion, we're not meant to kind of bunker up into our own individual lane of spiritual pursuit. It's not just like tune out the rest of the world and think about myself and the Lord. It's a reminder that we're not in this alone. We're part of a family. We're in this together. Amen. In Christ, when he took that bread, he broke it and said, my body's broken for you so that you could be made whole. Would you stand with me today? And our hosts are helping to disperse emblems, the symbols that we have, if you haven't received them yet. Before we partake of communion, though, we're a community of healing. God is close to the brokenhearted through you and through me. We're going to take a moment to pray for everyone who says, you know what, I'm going through some stuff. I'm part of the brokenhearted, the crushing spirit. I need a miracle in a relationship today. I need God to bring comfort. I need him to renew hope. I need him to give me a new perspective and faith. If that's you, could you just raise your hand where you're at? Raise your hand if you need God to bring about a miracle in your soul. Can you, if you're next to someone who has raised their hand, can you put a hand on their shoulder? Place a hand on their shoulder and, uh, and begin to pray for them. Begin to pray for them. Begin to minister God's presence. Begin to minister God's comfort and begin to minister God's hope to them. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for the healing that is happening right now. Thank you, God, because your Holy Spirit is active through your family, through the body of Christ. God, you are not far. You're not distant. You are as close as that hand that is placed on that shoulder. Today, God, we ask that you would comfort. We ask, God, that you would restore. We ask, God, that you would heal the broken hearts. We ask, God, that you would show up in a tangible way, renew and refresh hearts and souls tonight. In the name of Jesus, God, I ask that right now you would show up in such a very personal, very specific way and show that you are the healer, that you are present, and that you are doing it through your family, through your community today. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details. Please be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.